Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. Seven Verses Says It All is our sermon series. And so let me invite you to rise for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to be reading from Isaiah. We're going to be paying attention to verse 2, but let me read verses 1 and 2. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, as we draw our attention to your word this morning, Holy Spirit, we ask that you open up our hearts, open up our eyes and our ears and our mind. Help us to see you, Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's no secret that we live in a dark world, a world filled with hopelessness, despair, and darkness. Just all you need to do is watch the news or go on the internet, whether it's war or crime. This world is filled with hatred, and this world is so divided. Well, the psalmist who penned Psalm 88 shared the same hopelessness. Here are a couple verses from Psalm 88. In verse 6, it says, You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Verse 14, Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? You have taken me from my friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Psalm 88, and most people agree, is one of the saddest psalms in the collection. There's no hope in that psalm. And so this Advent season is a reminder that our world is dark. But in this darkness, we see God's light shining brighter and brighter. And despite our darkness, God will come back. He came and he will come back. It's an interesting time because the whole world is joining with us 
as we light the candles. I was away for three days on a business trip. I know, I went down to New Jersey, so, but it was a business trip. I stayed in a hotel for three days. And then I came back, and in three days, my neighborhood transformed. There are like more lights outside, and even my neighborhood is getting brighter and brighter. There's a saying that water is life, but also light is life. When God created, even before he created the sun, he said, let there be life. Because for life to exist, we need light. And in John 1.4, it talks about Jesus being the light. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. But later on in John 1, in verse 10, it says, But the world did not know him. So even though we live in this dark world, and even though Jesus is the light who came, people, the world, look elsewhere. They're looking elsewhere to save themselves. Everywhere but God. And that's kind of what we looked at last week, didn't we? When Kyle preached, he said something wise. He said, you know, all the years in seminary he learned that you need to know what's in chapter 8 before you know what chapter 9 is. And in chapter 8, we saw that the world was inquiring of the mediums and the necromancers. They're looking to the magicians instead of looking to God. And the result was that they have no light. They were clueless. And they have no dawn. And then towards the end of the chapter, we see that they were thrust into thick darkness. Darkness that's darker than dark. That's what they were thrown into. They were in utter hopelessness. Darkness is death. So how do we live in such darkness? Where is our hope when we cannot see hope? Well, brothers and sisters, we need faith. And that's what today's text is all about. So in this utter darkness, we cannot save ourselves. The only one who could save us is our Lord Jesus Christ. And a lot of times, our life feels this way, doesn't it? We're just in complete darkness, and there's no hope, there's no life, and you don't know what to do. However, I do love Scripture when there's a turn. And verse 1 of chapter 9 starts with the word, but. And I love that word, especially when life is not going well. In the midst of your illness, in the midst of hopelessness, but God. When your whole life is falling apart, 
All your relationships are broken here on earth. But God, he loves you. But God, he cares for you. But God demonstrated his own love for us by sending his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. But God. So whenever you're feeling stuck, just remember that three-letter word, but. But God. So what does he do? Well, we see in verse 1, but he promised that there will be no gloom. And what gloom is Isaiah talking about? He's talking about the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, which is in the northern kingdom. And back around 722 BC, when the northern kingdom fell, the Assyrian king took the people away. They were in exile. And there was no hope at all. So that's the gloom Isaiah is talking about. And he's saying, but there will be no gloom for who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. So he dealt with the people there. He dealt with them because of their faithlessness in God, because of their spiritual darkness. But Isaiah says, but in the latter times, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And this is a text that we looked at last week. So from gloom to glory is what the text is talking about here. But to really understand this, we need to understand what the land of Naphtali and the land of Zebulun represents, the Galilee of the nations, or the Galilee of the Gentiles. Well, for that, we need to look at a map. So let's take a look at that. So here is Israel. You can see the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And that area in the box, that red box, represents the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. It's the northern kingdom, but it's the north of the northern kingdom. And I don't know if you can see that little arrow, that's Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was the center of everything. If anything good were to happen, it should happen in Jerusalem. Our equivalent will be New York City. New York City is where everything's happening. I remember when I was young and single, I always wanted to work in New York City. Why? Because all the jobs are there. And they paid a lot more money in New York than everywhere else. So even though I lived in the suburbs of New Jersey, I worked my way from New Jersey to New York. And when I got there, I thought, I finally made it. Here I am in New York City. Well, that same idea, that same mentality is with the folks in Israel as well. If God is going to do something mighty, it's got to happen in Jerusalem. The northern kingdom, the north of the north, the land of the Zebulun and the Zan of the Naphtali, well, that's the boonies. Nobody wants to go to the boonies. But that's the land. The land that people made fun of. So imagine if you're living in that area. 
If you're able, your goal would be, well, I'm going to move my way out of this area into the city. And if you're not able, you just feel stuck. Why am I here? God, why did you bring me here? Why couldn't I have been born in Jerusalem? Where all the good food is, where all the good-looking people are, where all the good jobs are, and yet here I am, I'm stuck. But God, see, there's that word again, but God, he always, not always, but most of the time, he does the unexpected. So he shows up in the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. And that's what Isaiah is talking about. And if you fast forward about 750 years, in Matthew, we see that that's what happens with Jesus. Now, when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. Galilee is a region in the red near the Sea of Galilee, the boonies. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And then Matthew continues with the passage that I just read you. Prophecy fulfilled. God keeps his promises. And it happened in the place where no one thought it would happen. In the boonies. In the Galilee region. The region was so remote, so disregarded by people, that there was a popular saying. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from the Galilee region? And yet, that's where Jesus grew up. In Matthew's account, after saying that the prophecy has been fulfilled, it said that from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first place he shows up to preach is in the land of Naphtali, the Galilee region, a place where no one was expecting. What about us? What about Beacon? Can anything good come from Beacon? Well, what do you guys think? Sometimes Beacon can feel like the margin, right? We're far from New York City, although we're starting to look more and more like New York City, right? I know, it's like, uh-huh, yep. So we're starting to look like New York City, but we're still far, right? People still want to go to New York. And we're, we're a tiny church, Right? We're in the shadows of big Montgomery, right? So even when you just look within the church, Montgomery's got everything. 
at the building with the nice bathrooms, you know. <laughs> it is not a crowded little foyer, foyer area. We had the greeters back there, and I was kind of hanging out with them, but with three people, it was just too crowded back there. <laughs> so, you know, so Glenn, I wasn't trying to leave you, but it was just too crowded. Right? So can anything good come from Beacon? Well, let's remember, God shows up in unexpected places. And I have no doubt he is here today. If you need a reminder, just look around. He is in this building. Just look at the lights. The light represents Christ. And there was a time, I go through seasons of uh, doing different devotionals, but there was a time when I did my devotionals in the morning, I would just light a candle as a reminder that God was with me as I'm doing devotionals. If you have not tried that, I want to recommend you to try it. Just in your private space. Find a candle, just light it up. And there are days where you feel like God is not with you. There are days where you feel like you're walking in darkness and you can't see anything. You feel hopeless. You feel the whole world is just getting darker and darker. And you are in the center of darkness. When you're feeling that way, when, when God feels far away, light a candle, read God's word, and pray and see what happens. This is a reminder that God is with us. He is with us. Amen? He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. I want to encourage you also when you're feeling that way to read Psalm 88. The saddest psalm in the Bible. The darkest psalm in the Bible. And as you're reading that, I want to encourage you to think what our Lord Jesus Christ was going through when he was facing death, when everyone deserted him. If you have a chance to go to Israel, which we do in August, the group visits the place where Jesus was arrested. It's a little little cave, a little cistern, a prison built in a house. And there, whoever is guiding the tour, they, they cry out Psalm 88. And you feel the agony, you sense the loneliness, the hopelessness that our Lord Jesus Christ went through. And this psalm is written in Scripture for us to read, to understand, to know that our Lord Jesus Christ went through darker times than you and I will ever go through. And because he went through the dark times, he knows. And you can go to him and receive ministry from Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you to do that. And when you're feeling this way, have hope in God. Have faith in God. Have faith 
despite darkness. Advent season is a reminder for all of us to seek the light of God and to adore the light of God and to wait upon Him. It's amazing that in chapter 8 of Isaiah, Isaiah says, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. In the midst of darkness, wait upon the Lord. Waiting is always the hardest part in life. Whether you're baking cookies, or whether you're waiting for someone to respond to you, I don't see it as much anymore, but I remember when Facebook first came out, somebody makes a post, and they kept checking back. They're waiting. No one's liking my post. And they're all depressed because of that. It's funny how we work. We want that acknowledgement. Instead of seeking that acknowledgement from God, we want others to affirm us. Don't go to others. Don't go to the necromancers. Don't go... To the world. Receive affirmation from God. And what affirmation from God do you need? That you are a child of God. That's it. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, then you belong to Him. And that's all the affirmation we need in this dark world. So let me encourage you to wait upon the Lord. Advent, interestingly, is also a season of waiting. Just as the people in the Old Testament, they were eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come. As we look back and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, we also look forward to the time he comes back. So it is a season of waiting. We are living in the already, but not yet. It's not yet. Right? This is not it. Even when we worship here, we're just getting a, a glimpse of what it's going to be like when he returns. Right? This is the embassy of heaven. I think I shared that a couple weeks ago. Every time we set foot in God's house, we're getting a taste of what heaven's like. And despite our brokenness, despite our imperfections, we're not perfect, right? Just look at our, our worship service today. Everything felt broken. <laughs> but despite that, God shows up. And despite that, we get to taste what heaven's like. So have hope in him. Wait for God. And that's what happened to the people of Israel. And then just like a flashlight going off, in utter darkness. It says here, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. A flash of lightning shows up in deep darkness. Deep darkness represents death. It's a death shadow. A light has shone. And of course, Isaiah is talking about what's to come. How many years 
did it take for Jesus to come from this point? 750 years or so, if you do the math. 750 years. Can you imagine? How long have you been waiting for God to show up in your life? I mean, our, our country is not even that old. Goodwill Church in Montgomery is older than this country. It was founded in 1729. It's nothing. It's nothing. But God fulfills his promises. So how are we to live? We need to have faith. We need to believe. And this light has shown even when the people of God didn't deserve it. The deep darkness that they were experiencing in their lives was what they deserve. And the deep darkness is what you and I deserve as well. But God, in his love for us, even though we don't deserve it, shined this great light so that you and I may see the light. So that you and I may have faith in our present darkness. So we need to be a people who live by faith and not by sight. Amen? Don't let the world, don't let your circumstances dictate how you live. If you're praising God when things are going well, and if you're walking away from Him when you're facing difficulties, then you are not living by faith, you are living by sight. But to be a people of God means despite the darkness around us, we still look to the light, knowing that he is coming back. 750 years from the time Isaiah wrote this till Jesus showing up. When Jesus left, he told his disciples, I'm coming back. It's been a few thousand years. Does it mean he's not coming back? Absolutely not. He is coming back. And you and I need to have that conviction that what's written in the Word of God is truth. And all of his promises are yes and amen. And that's what it means to live by faith. So you and I, let's live by faith and not by sight. Let's remember that Jesus is the light. So let us seek and let us adore him. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. So if you are, if it feels like you are in darkness, follow Jesus. Follow his way. Walk with him. And how do we do that? Well, we start with repentance. We start by turning around. Repent for the kingdom of God is near, is what Jesus said. And that's how we walk away from darkness. And we walk towards the light. I mentioned earlier 
That beacon is not the same beacon from even eight years ago, right? And for those of you who live here, you're probably seeing the good and the bad of the transformation. But let's talk about spiritual reality. Spiritually speaking, beacon is getting darker and darker. We're living in a dark place. It's becoming more difficult to do ministry here in this area. Why? Because it's getting darker and darker. But let's remember, church, but God. No matter how dark it is, but God. And I believe God called us here to be and to shine the light of Jesus into this world. That's it. That's what we need to be. And in order for us to shine the light of Christ in this dark world, it's simple. We just have to walk with Him. By walking with God, by remembering that He is with us, by having hope in this hopeless world, we become the light of God. So when people see you, do they see the hope of Christ in you? When people see you, do they see your faith in God? Do they see you walking with Jesus in the dark world? Do they see that you are no longer walking in darkness, but you are light in the Lord. You are now light in the Lord. Are they seeing the light of Christ in you? Are you living as children of light, or are you still following darkness? Hear these words of warning. If we claim to have fellowship with God, if we claim to have fellowship with Jesus, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. So who are you walking with today? Are you walking towards the light with God, or are you walking away from Him? If you are, Walking in darkness, our solution is simple. Look to Jesus. Turn around. That's what repent means. Turn around, and instead of walking away from the light, just walk towards the light. And when you walk towards the light, the closer you walk to God, the brighter the light in you. We can't manufacture this light going on a prayer retreat, reading the Bible, praying two, three, four, five hours a day is not going to make us generate light. We're more like a mirror. So as we look to God, as we look to the light, and as we move closer to the light, then the light shines brighter and brighter. And people of God, you and I are called to be light of the world 
And let's do that by walking with Jesus. Earlier I said Beacon is a hard place to do ministry because it's dark. But the darker the world is, the brighter the light shines. So let's do that. Let's remember what the season is about. It's a season of hope. It's a season of faith. It's also a season of waiting. It's also a season of preparation. We are preparing for Jesus' return. And so let's shine Jesus' light in the dark world around us. And we could all do this because he came down. Jesus, the Son of God, the light of the world, he came into darkness so that you and I don't have to walk in darkness anymore. He faced the agony of the cross. He felt the loneliness, the hopelessness, and all that was written in Psalm 88. He faced all that so that you and I do not have to face it. So let's come to the communion table, remembering Jesus' saving death on the cross, remembering what he had to go through so that you and I do not. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that all your promises are yes and amen. You promised that you would send your son and Jesus we thank you for obeying your father in heaven for coming here on earth to shine your light O Lord and you lived the perfect life that we couldn't live, and you died the death that we deserve so that we could have hope in our darkest days and we could have faith knowing that you are God with us, that you are always with us. So we come to the table this morning with thanksgiving in our hearts. And Lord, I ask that you set apart the elements for a holy purpose today. May the bread be to our faith, your body broken. May the cup be to our faith, your blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. And may we partake in communion in remembrance of you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.